Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Ask the Industry podcast, episode 26. For those of you new to the show, this is the podcast where I interview the most influential people from the world of stand-up, comedy, radio, TV, and today, artist management. Charlotte Austin founded Catface Comedy a little over a year ago, having worked at Red 24, Just the Tonic, Debbie Allen, and many more. Catface is a specialist agency targeting performers uh, on the live circuit, trying to find them more gigs, work on their tours, pushing their shows out more. And uh, we got her on to talk about the state of the comedy circuit, how to get noticed by agents, the industry as a whole in terms of getting yourself uh, a team of people or the right team of people to help you go up a level or to um, advance your career more. And it was really fun. I should say really quickly, it was recorded at the Southbank Centre in London, which means that uh, there is a a bit of background noise on the episode i've m- muted it or like turned it down as much as possible but in some areas there's continuity issues with the fact that because of edits there's still this sort of noise so i've made that as best i can I, i'm sorry i can't do much more with it um but yeah i've also left in some quite fun little um offshoot chats that me and her had because i think they showcase her personality really well they also showcase what she's interested in really well which means you can get to get to know her a bit more uh, beyond the superficial, oh good, I need an agent, which, as she goes into detail, is not the reason to contact agents. You should contact an agent because you like the person and you think you could work well with them. So um, I've left those in for those specific reasons, and uh, I hope you enjoyed them. If you would like to follow along or jump to a question and find out everything we talked about, you can find the show notes at Simon Kane. That's S I M O N C A I N E dot co dot uk forward slash Ask the Industry Podcast. And uh, you can find all the previous episodes there as well. Really quickly, I'm doing a show in Edinburgh. It's called Buddhism and Cats. It's on at 7.30 every day, and it's at Just Latonic Caves. It is not at Calgate Head. I am a Calgate Head act, which I won't explain what that means. If you get what that means, that's great. If you don't get what that means, essentially, I lost my venue, and it had to get moved to a new one. So don't pay attention to the printed program. It is correct on the web and the app, but 
ignore the printed one. I'm at Just the Tonic Caves. I'm at 7.30 every day except the 18th, I think it is. So if, if you do come down, please say hi. I'd love to meet some people who listen to the podcast because otherwise the download number is just an arbitrary figure on a website that means bugger all to me. I'd love to meet more people who are actually enjoying it. And if you are someone around the country who doesn't normally get a chance to see me or say hi, it would be great to meet you if you're around. So that would be great. Um, it's a free show, by the way. So no commitment you can just come and watch me tell jokes and if you liked it you can give me some money if you don't like it you can't give me any money uh, you don't you don't have to give me any money also uh, if you'd like to give a donation at the same time as saying hi during edinburgh please don't put it in the bucket because the way my split works with um just the tonic if i go over a thousand pounds they take a cut of my donations after that and i don't really want it to get muddled with my um podcast donations so just find me on the street or wait for me after the show and we can deal with it that way that'd be great if you would like to just give me a donation over the internet you can do that on the website simonkane.co.uk there's a paypal button there you can give me as much or as little as you think these podcasts are worth if you listen to 10 episodes and you think they're worth two quid send me 20 quid that'd be amazing if you don't want to do it that way you can become a patreon which are oh, we're so close to my first target for patreon so if you could join from as little as one dollar a pod that would be amazing and uh, that's 80p it's 80p for this almost 90 or over 90 minutes worth of an interview uh from an industry expert so if you think this is worth 80p and you would like to give that three times a month to help me continue making these please go to patreon.com that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash ask the industry podcast it would really help out the show i honestly can't thank all my patrons enough i would really love to get that up to a certain like a really good base so that i have a budget for the show um if you don't want to do that other three ways you can help the show join the facebook group it's just called ask the industry podcast it's on facebook obviously and uh yeah you get loads of extra free content in there i'm working on loads of different little projects in there and you can have your say and you can pass on your questions to me directly which i've got a few questions in here from people from the group um as you're about to hear and yeah so if you'd like to pass on your questions the best way of doing that is by keeping track in the facebook group so uh do join that um and uh, if you have a minute and you haven't already done it please leave me a review in itunes it's really helpful it genuinely does uh, get read by the future guests and i could really use some more because we're at 30 now and i would love to just keep pushing it up that would be amazing so uh yeah please do take a minute and do that and uh, yeah without any more delays this is charlotte austin so maybe if I start with, well, what I normally do, as you probably know from this, is I um, ask the question and then I edit it so that your answer is the first bit of the pod. So I do the intro oh, okay. and, then, and then your answer is that bit. So if you could answer this question within the answer, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. You've probably done I media training for all your acts and stuff. So. <laughs> I haven't. Have you not? No. Oh, okay. Weirdly. But all I think right. I know what you mean. Yeah. So like, well, the question is... Um, why did you set up Catface and why is it different from Red24? Okay. So you could say something like, oh, we set up Catface, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And if you can't do that, I'll just leave this bit in. <laughs> and everyone will know you're not media trained. <laughs> oh, God. I'm embarrassing. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> okay. Why did you set up Catface? And what is... <laughs> just going to start with me cackling at the beginning. Um, <laughs> That's fine. Okay. Everyone will think I'm hilarious. <laughs> and I'm fine with that. <laughs> just just going to be an hour of me laughing. Um, <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, we set up Catface about a year and two months ago now, I think. And we set it up because uh, it was just the right time, really, for me to kind of go out on my own. And a, an oppor- a really good opportunity with Paul Whedon, who is 
uh, co-director of Catface came up so I just thought why not let's just do it now like if it's even now or never if I didn't do it then I probably would never have done it and just chickened out so I've done it and it's amazing so far and it's different from Red 24 because Paul Whedon is a great man who is the co-director of Catface but he also owns Red 24 so he is the director of He's the director of Red24 and the co-director of Catface. Um, but they're completely separate companies. They do completely different things. Catface focuses main, well, solely on live work. So gigs, tours, corporates, events, festivals, Edinburgh. And Red24 is a TV agency. So they represent presenters, um, voiceovers, some actors and experts. So that's how they differentiate in there. They're just sort of owned by the same person. Until that point they were doing the whole thing in Red24 then or yeah well it's it's yeah it's a separate company so Red24 used to represent comedians um, for sort of everything but now what happens is we share a couple of the acts from Catface so um, people like Alistair Williams Amir Koshikan Al Lubel um, they're looked after their TV stuff is looked after by Red24 there's not much of it at the moment because they're all quite new um, and all their live stuff is looked after Catface and I, we also have that relationship with people like Troika so uh, we represent Chris Martin and Ellie Taylor for live work but Troika look after their TV, radio and all the other business right. um, so we have that relationship with a couple of different TV agencies yeah. but we specialise in just live work mm. just live on stage yeah, yeah, so like their tours and their yeah. circuit stuff. Yeah. You, you specifically co-own Catface where the majority of your work, all, the, all your work is live work. Yeah, all and of it. And I mean, that's presumably because you prefer that to... Yeah, yeah. I'm just... Um, it's just where my sort of skills and interests and expertise, if you will, that's where they lie and that's what I want to do and that's what I'm passionate about. So yeah. that's why I just do that. Yeah. I don't, I don't really touch TV or, or radio or or anything like that is there a reason why you don't particularly enjoy working on TV not really I've just always my first job in comedy was with Daryl Martin at Just The Tonic um, who I love Uh, and that was so at the time it was it must have been about seven years ago now when I first was there uh, we had a comedy club in Nottingham one in Leicester one in London and obviously the caves at the Edinburgh Fringe so it was all very much live based anyway so I've only done live really from the beginning. I've only sort of touched on TV. Uh, I used to kind of work for Debbie Allen a couple of days a week because mm. I used to share an office with her when I was with Daryl. So I've learned a couple of bits from there, but I've never really delved into it and I've never really tried. I've always much preferred dealing with live stuff and mm. events and shows and tours and Edinburgh Festival and things like that. So I'm just really interested in it. I just love it. Yeah. So just want to do that. <laughs> Fair enough. At what point would you say an act should look to get management for their live work? Because a lot of acts take their own like sort of initiative to sort out their own live bookings yeah. at the moment. And obviously within the internet and being able to Google promoters, that's a lot easier than it maybe was 10 years ago. Yeah, totally. So what would you say, A, Catface provides separate to what they can already do, and B, when would you say is a good idea or a good time for a performer to look up? I think the best time is just when they feel like they need help, when they feel like they need... Um, assistance in sort of getting their foot in the door or advice and just somebody to help look after their career Um, because what I always try and tell all of the acts at Catface is that all I want you to do is write material, turn up and be funny everything else should have been taken care of by me, hopefully if I've done my job correctly Um, (laughs) but you should I want the acts to kind of look at their diaries and 
all of their weekends should be full, hopefully. Um, you know, uh, gigs on the weekdays if possible. Every, basically, wherever there's a gap, I want to try and put a gig in it. Um, and I, in that, within that entrance on the diary, there should be what time you need to be there, who you need to speak to, how long you're, you're on for, what you're getting paid, who's driving, etc., etc. Everything else needs to be taken care of by me or a Catface team member. And then the act just needs to turn up, do the material and go home again. They should just be writing and gigging. That's all that I want them to do. I want to take care of everything else around it. It's because I'm in the office from nine till six and they can't do that. Like they can't, they can't have that full-time job, like kind of booking their gigs and and everything and write and gig at the same time. So I like to have that, provide that service for them. Right. So you're looking. So when you look for a new act to maybe to sign, you're looking for an act who can write jokes and is funny. That's basically the yeah, minimum. Essentially, right yeah. yeah. Uh, everyone. The only criteria I have to take somebody on is just if they make me laugh. That's the main thing. <laughs> everyone, okay. genuinely, everyone on the catface list makes me belly laugh, and that's the most important thing. That and obviously they have to be sort of hardworking and passionate, and we have to kind of get on and cooperate with each other to make that relationship work but ultimately they're all hilarious and that's that's the most important thing to me that's what i care about right so you how many times do you go and see an act before you decide they're hilarious because it one because a one-off you know like someone could have just had a good gig yeah and you you or i mean do you have to see them die before because you not. probably want to see them cope <laughs> a bit you know yeah well i mean it's not like a it's not a necessity it's not like a need or a want to see them die but it happens to everyone you know, I've seen loads of people, loads of amazing people die. We know it happens to all comics a lot of the time at whatever level. Um, but it's not like a need. Um, no, I just I just have to see them a, sort of a couple of times just to get a feel of them. And obviously I'll do all the Googling and, and the YouTubing and stuff. And just recommendations from other people as well, actually. I'll always ask other comics how they view that person and, and if they think they're funny and, and yeah. stuff. But it's usually just my gut instinct. Yeah. And how... When you're going to sell a comedian like to a promoter that they've maybe never approached before, do you just... Do you, I mean, obviously they know you quite well because you probably booked with them before. Yeah. So for you to just go, they're funny, book them, is probably enough. But I mean, isn't there sort of an... I mean, do you look for angles with comedians where you're like, oh, your bill you know, could use uh, you know, someone who does alternative comedy or could use someone who does prop comedy? Or is it not as linear it's as not, that? No, not really. I mean, Catface is quite diverse anyway. Um, which is lucky because it, it wasn't we didn't have like a checklist of people that we wanted to to sort of book there was no no sort of boxes we had to tick it was just people that made us laugh and and it just so happens that you know one is a sketch group one is a magician one is really alternative and a couple of really mainstream and there's three girls in there which is great so it just so happens that they're all diverse but usually when I'm speaking to a promoter about somebody that they've never met before a video is probably one of the most important things because if they if that promoter can't get to see them do a five or a ten you know maybe they're in scotland or something and the, the comedians in london a really good solid five or ten minute video is is probably enough to convince them to to book that person hmm. and i would i mean based on the fact that you work quite well obviously you are co well you're not co- sorry i'm just gonna no, it's fine. So, so red 24 and you work together even though you're separate yeah i assume there's no areas of cat face that you want to improve on necessarily because you you concentrate on one area they concentrate on the other area yeah and i mean i'm always sort of learning we're always learning we're always c- trying to make it better than what it is and but at the moment i think the, the think the most important thing to improve is is the people we have the people we represent because ultimately if they improve if they get better then the agency gets better so yeah. um i just want to 
kind of I dedicate my time to them I just want to push them and, and improve them and make them the best that they can be and get them all the best gigs that they can get that have the best shows in Edinburgh and then you know ultimately Catface will improve via them yeah so yeah we were talking before about um, the, the internet and how you've sort of moved into a little bit of representing some people who are internet stars should we say yeah um, Foil Arms and Hog are a sketch group that I represent yeah. and they they're from Dublin so not particularly well known in London although they did sell out their underbelly uh, really? the other day which was really fantastic well done. Um, yes, which yeah. is great but so we're much much more well known in Ireland than they are over here but they upload a new video to YouTube every week it's a new sketch it's very very well filmed and edited and it's always hilarious and it's that's really important in getting getting them fans over here because obviously they can't come over here and gig all the time when they come over here it has to be a block of gigs to make it kind of worthwhile so the, the youtube and social media and everything is so important for people like that um it's i think it's actually becoming quite a necessity for for comedians to, to up their game on social media now but yeah foil arms hog rely on youtube for we we used that for the tour they did a uk tour recently mm. which is a debut one and we did amazing venues like all three stand venues and oh. um the exeter phoenix obviously the underbelly and excess malarkey in manchester and places like that and we sold really really well and part of that was they did a series of videos which were uk based and kind of tour based so they did a really ridiculous one where they named 50 uk towns in one video like one conversation and, right. and things so and it was those videos that we used to push to the venues who then put it out to their audiences and stuff so mm. yeah it's becoming more and more mm. valid and more and more important i think mm. and i mean we were <clears throat> again we were briefly <laughs> so bad we were briefly talking about uh, monetizing stuff online but i mean do you if they can sell out a tour off the back of like work they've already put into online do, yeah. you, fi- do you think it's kind of worth a performer looking into online to you know make money on the live circuit down the road or do you think because you we, we were sort of discussing i don't want to talk too much just in no, case but we were talking about how you can monetize your online stuff a bit yeah and through sponsorships and, and ads and things yeah but ultimately because you're a live booker i presume you're more interested in trying to get that audience together to when the live stuff comes yeah out. i'd rather kind of monetize the live stuff purely because i don't i'm not very educated on the social media side of stuff i mean i'm trying to i'm trying to learn and get into it but uh, I much prefer to be able to kind of sell out a venue with a great audience than kind of get loads of hits on YouTube. Um, but saying that, Louisa Omiland did a gig in Melbourne recently and that clip now has over 10 million views. So that's mm. kind of helped to bring in an audience over here in, in London and across the UK. So it all kind of ties in together. I'm just not very... I don't really know how to monetize things online. It's something that I'd like to look into in the future, obviously, because it's obviously really important. But at the moment, it's just kind of live... Mm. O- live on stage edinburgh festivals tours and gigs and and shows and things like that it's just about exposure really yeah yeah yeah. it's just more but the more people you know that louisa clip got people talking and got everybody now lots of people know who louisa omulan is when previously they might not have done before Mm. they saw that clip and obviously if one person sees it they share it amongst all their friends it's exactly the same as when you're in edinburgh and there's a really good show and word of mouth sells out a show quicker than anything else really So it's kind of like an online version of that, I think, all the shares and the retweets and things. Mm. Um, but I still think live is better. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> well, it's true, you can't recreate it online, but you can share certain 
pockets of so I, when I before she was doing her Kickstarter I was talking to her about it yeah. and I was saying do you think it will lose something because I've been to her shows and they're quite energetic and, and yeah uh, it's like a party with, yeah, yeah yeah so I was like do you think it would be weird like it's like you know getting a mitzvah video of like a friend or yeah. you know what I mean <laughs> and she was like no no I'm going to make it you know and I, I'm looking forward to what, seeing what she does with it yeah because well, it was filmed last night yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. did you go I didn't I oh, was okay. at a hen party uh, oh, okay. right. family hen party but um, I would have loved to have seen it but a couple of my friends went and I was yeah. texting her this morning and she said it went great but I, she knows what she wants and she knows how to make it look good and what, what she wants to, co- yeah. to come across in that DVD so yeah. I think it, she's going to she's going to smash it without yeah. doubt but yeah you're right I, d- I still don't think you can get that live feeling mm. from you can't beat live stand up comedy you can't beat being in that little room like really up close and personal and getting mm. that experience it just doesn't come across on TV or, or online or anything you just kind of have to be there yeah. it's one of those things that has to be live yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Obviously. Uh, that's really cool, though. But, I mean, like, so, I mean, for her, I feel like she's done that, again, from, like, her online stuff and then monetize it down the road yeah. with sort of a connection with her fans. Yeah. And do you think, do you think like, it's possible? I mean, although you would prefer it if, I mean, obviously, because you've got a job in it, but you would prefer <laughs> it if, like, Axe just, just did the writing and, and did the performing. Yeah. But do you actually think that uh, the internet in particular and, and uh, the accessibility of other promoters performers it's getting easier for them to maybe control their own calendar it is yeah but it i mean definitely is there's loads of sort of online forums as well that that help comedians book their own gigs and things but it's i suppose if you want to do it by yourself it is possible but it's probably easier to let somebody else take control of that and you focus on what you're good at which is writing and gigging and and making people laugh whereas i'm good at excel spreadsheets and (laughs) and you know (laughs) online systems and emailing people and speaking to people on the phone and convincing people that to book you and to put your show on and stuff Mm. whereas you just need to concentrate on writing it and making it perfect and then catface will try and do everything else around it yeah totally and who who works for who then in your mind do you work for the act or does the act work for you or i think it's like a two-way street to be honest because you know without them the agency wouldn't exist and I wouldn't be doing it and I wouldn't be sat in the office all day I'd be doing something probably in comedy but something completely different maybe um but you know I work I want to work just as hard for them as they do for themselves so it's so we kind of help each other out we we work for each other really um but the you know there's thousands of comedians and there's thousands of agencies so it's I feel really kind of lucky that I've I get to represent these people Hmm. and I get to kind of work with them. We work with each other, I guess, rather than for each other. Okay, that makes sense. And because you've got sort of broken away from Red 24 to specialise in life, do you think, because a, a lot of comedians have like, you know, one, one agent for TV, one agent for live, yeah. one agent for voiceover, whatever. Yeah. Do you think it's worth comedians having lots of different agents that work together? Or do you think it's worth them having one, like, uh, I don't know, a PBJ kind of manager yeah. that does everything? I think there's... There's pros and cons for both, but obviously Catface is a specialist agency, so I'm probably going to lean towards that. Um, yeah. But it's like I said, you know, we're in the office from all day, Monday to Friday, 9 till 6, and I dedicate my entire time to live work and booking those people live work. So if you have, you know, two, three, four, five people dedicating their time to each individual piece of your career, then mm. surely that's five times better, maybe. But mm. then arguably if you have one person they have complete control over it there's no problems there's no hmm. um, mishaps or double bookings or anything like that and and they're solely focused on you but i guess it just depends on the act and what they what they want and need at hmm. specific points in their career like some of the almost 
not really newer, but the you know the newer comics that we represent. Yeah. Alistair Williams, maybe, and um, Amir Koshikan, who are great. And they, at the moment, they probably only really need live because they're not at that level where you know they don't need PR or they don't need a radio agent or a voiceover agent or anything. So. I think maybe it's when you get to a certain level that's when you might start having to kind of get more people on your team yeah. <laughs> or on your side. Yeah, 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 I know what you, you mean. You get an entourage. <laughs> like some sort of ghetto gangster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I kind of like the sound of that. Um, I'm not very... Comedy entourage. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, that's pretty cool, though. And do you, um, I, I, I think... Okay, so I sort of have to define the parameters of this question a little bit more. Yeah. But the question is going to be, do you think a comedian can make a living just from the live circuit? And by a living, I, do, I like, there's sort of that cliche of just eating beans and, like, bread yeah. out of, like, a tin kind of thing. Yeah. Like, so living. I mean, like, do you think people can, like, genuinely make an actual, you know, sort of London living wage-based cost living yeah. from the circuit alone? Okay. Um, I think they can, you know. There's people that do all of the amazing clubs, the comedy store and the stands and the glees, um, and they without maybe never even having been on TV. So there's definitely there's definitely a way you can do it as long as you're in with all the major clubs. You pay really well, and you do it every Friday and Saturday, and you know maybe every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday as well. Um, but there's definitely a way, and especially with corporates as well, which I'm sure we'll get onto in a moment. But it's corporates and then shows and gigs, and you know people in London, people often gig three times in one night three different shows so there's no reason why you can't do that every Friday night or every Saturday night so there's definitely a way to make money from live and I think you can you can live on it but most people you know the aim is to get on TV and to get famous Mm. but there's lots of lots of club acts out there who just do clubs and they live on that Mm. so it is possible Mm. yeah yeah I suppose it it depends on what the act wants really yeah definitely I mean everybody has different sort of aims but there's Annoyingly, I can't actually think of any, but there's there's loads of com- uh, comics who just do the clubs, who just mm. that is their they, they're called clubbing comics, I guess, aren't they? They're <laughs> yeah. just there. Yeah, they're the we ones who simple. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they're the ones who do it every Friday and every Saturday, and they they make that's how they pay their bills, and they're very very happy with that, and that's great. Yeah. But there's other people who you know they want to be on Mock the Week and Live at the Apollo, and and that's their aim. Yeah, people yeah. just have different aims, I guess. Yeah, and like, do you when you when you want to book someone, do you like sit them down and go, "What do you want from this? Yeah. How can we meet you?" Or is it like, you you say this is what we can offer? Does any of this appeal? Or is it? Yeah, it's a mixture of that to be yeah. honest. So if I'm thinking of representing somebody, or if they're thinking of, you know, come approaching me, then I'll sit down with them and ask them what they want and give them the honest truth and what of what I think we can bring to them and what we can help them with and what we can get them and and if that works, then that's great. Mm. Um, but I'm always very honest. I always tell them that it's very much a live thing and you know it's going to take ages so if you do well at the comedy store you might do really well but it's 12 months before you get your next slot which you know some newer acts don't really realize and so it's it's just a case of being really honest and open as and saying this is what i can give you and what do you want does Mm. this work and i always do that i always have a meeting with whoever that we're thinking of taking on and and just explaining and seeing where they're at and where we're at and how it can work yeah, totally. One of, one of the questions I ask every promoter on this yeah. is how often, realistically, in a year, could an act get booked? Like, just a general act, not a TV name or not a new yeah. act, whatever. And usually it's like, oh, maybe twice a year, maybe once a year yeah. or whatever. Yeah, it's really and hard. Yeah, the amount of times I get performers emailing me going, why? I'm really funny. I'm like, yeah, but they need to Yeah, because often yeah. the good clubs will have a regular audience and mm. they'll, they'll come back, you know, every month or so or um, sometimes every week. But... 
so they don't want to see the same person every yeah. single time and and also it's that thing of there's just so many comics mm. at the moment there's there's less clubs more comics so it's obviously more competitive it's obviously quite saturated so it's just they just have to mix their bills up don't they mm. they have to they have to um change it up for their audiences and for themselves and just means you have to gig elsewhere yeah <laughs> to fill it up yeah i mean what I, what I do is i sort of have a circuit in my head of clubs i do so i just keep adding to that so that every year i have like i don't know 20 or 30 yeah. you know, places i do on a route and then add more in afterwards yeah so it's like that and and that's and that seems to be the way agents run so because you sort of have places that you're you have to keep track of where your yeah clients yeah have been. there's often um often promoters will do an email out saying you know these are the dates that we have available who do you have free on these mm. days and there'll be a note at the bottom that says uh you can't have done this club in the last 12 months yeah. or, or something like that so then you have to go oh we did that six months ago we'll have to <laughs> we'll have to wait for the next round yeah um but i think it's just to keep keep the shows fresh keep the audiences happy and just make sure that it's not you know it's not the same bill every every week yeah it makes, it, it makes business sense totally from that yeah i mean if, you, if you're doing your own show fair enough but if it's a their house their rules kind of yeah, thing. yeah yeah totally you know we have to abide by their rules and mm. and that's just how it is unfortunately mm. And like obviously, as a as an agent, you need to have quite a good relationship with promoters. But we're talking about like uh, how you've got quite a good relationship with other agents as well. Yeah, I've got a really. I mean, I like to think I've got quite a good relationship with everyone. <laughs> <laughs> just think, I just try and you be don't nice. Know the half of it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hopefully, people will say the same thing about me. But yeah, I've uh, I feel quite lucky because Catface is is a live agency, which means that obviously we share some acts with the Red Twenty Four TV side of things. I also sh- share acts with Troika, Debbie Allen. Mm. Um, objective talent who are now called electric talent I think um, okay. so I have relationship, really good relationships with those guys because we work in unison for the mm. same client and the same comedian um, and then obviously we have to try and have really good relationships with all the promoters because we want to put those comedians into their shows so mm. it's um, yeah I try and have a nice relationship with everyone it's just nice to be nice <laughs> <laughs> just lots of smiley faces and emails and yeah people hate that I love, no, I love that love um, a little emoticon <laughs> yeah um, I, I watch out for it sometimes if like I notice that no one ever sent like if I'm emailing a promoter a lot and they don't ever like write back oh hey I just stop it because I'm like they clearly <laughs> hate me yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you it's fine you always like, hey. I love, I love yeah. a little MailChimp yeah, I often yeah, put yeah, a little yeah. meme in a MailChimp oh, yeah, I don't yeah. know if people hate or love it but I've got a MailChimp <laughs> For, sorry, for those of you listening who don't know what that is, it's like an uh, email newsletter service provider. Yeah, like a mass mail out, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I find that really useful because I'm trying to build my mailing list and I didn't want to have to keep emailing everyone individually. <laughs> yeah, you know MailChimp I mean? is amazing. Yeah, it's that's really useful. I use. So is that what you use for like your acts to build their audience? or is it? Could you, no, that's you, just, yeah, I have sort of certain lists. So I'll have a list of uh, London clubs and then a list of UK clubs, a list of international clubs, a list of corporate mm. bookers and things and then if there's something sort of newsworthy I'll send that out to specific people and then if I'm just trying to fill a gap or somebody's weekends or somebody's had a cancellation or something I'll just send that out to everyone and say can you help mm. so they're really good for keeping in touch with people and I've had people respond and go this is good like keep this up and I'm like okay yeah. well, one person likes it so <laughs> that's enough for me out of 4,000 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I know I, I have this because I, I have a few hundred on there now I've only been doing it like six months which is alright I think yeah, but, like, really good. I sent it out to like my Brighton fringe people going thanks for coming and like, I got two people unsubscribed oh, I was like, the unsubscribe button hurts me yeah I know I, like, I always oh. think what have I done it's like when someone unfollows you on Twitter you think what was the last straw what did you hate so much that you had to click that button yeah 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 I don't remember doing anything <laughs> offensive on here 
Yeah, it's kind of. Although there are apps. Now. A friend linked me to an app that shows you who unfollowed you. Oh yeah, and I was I'm like, I'm that. not touching that. No, it's, my, it's heartbreaking. I'm, I'm, well, I've detached myself enough from it now that I don't like care about the number. I care about how much they care about me. Oh, do you that's know what good. I mean? Which has taken me so long. <laughs> Because about a year ago, I was like, damn you, <laughs> why did you unfollow me? I always but, wonder what it is. What did I do that really annoyed you that much? But like, I don't know, it doesn't matter. It could be it? anything. Yeah, it? it could be anything. And also, like, it could be that you care that much about them unfollowing. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I like, it could be like, it. It's this level of needy. Why do you hate me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll get over this. So don't be needy is what we're saying yeah, on social media. Yeah, don't be needy. Because that's a massive turn off. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, maybe it's just us. Keep it light-hearted. Everyone Put an emoticon it. in there. <laughs> Make everyone happy. Just emoticon on every like tweet. Just honestly, it was a joke. Mm, like, winky face. Love those. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you mean. Did you did you celebrate National Emoticon Day? I thought about it, but then I thought, I use them all the time, <laughs> so it's not going to make any difference. Every day is every National Emoticon Day. Every contact in my phone has, a con- has an emoticon next to it. <laughs> really? Yeah. What do I have? Well, I only put you in there today. You yeah, but well, that means you must know. There'll be some sort of little cassette tape or something on oh, next to you. <laughs> great. I feel, I'm going to put like a evil devil thing oh, next to your... Well, I'm, I'm a cassette tape. What's that about? <laughs> Is that because of this? Yeah. Oh, okay, fine. That makes sense. Oh, that makes more sense. Yeah, I was like, why am I a cassette yeah, tape? I'll stick a smiley face in there as All well. Right. I'll, put, I'll put you as like the, the sort of eye... <laughs> smiley person. Eye yeah, smiley yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. you're that. all smiley and... and yeah. Thanks. So, yeah. yeah. I like right? the look. I like the girl with her hand up, like whoop whoop. Oh, is there one of them? Yeah, I, like seen, I don't scroll through them enough. I'll show you her. <laughs> it sounded like you're like best friends with her. I'll show you. I'll show you Bethany. She's cool. Uh, you might My like team. her. Yeah, yeah well, the team. <laughs> you look at like your emoticons as a team. Love it. There's like, an emoticon for every emotion, oh, that's and every good. situation. Well, no, there isn't actually. There's not one for the kebab or cheese. Actually, I know. There's right? not a cheese one. Were you, were you as outraged as I was at the internet's reaction to... They had this, like, new emoticon pack they introduced. Yeah. Because they, they wanted intergender couples. Oh, yeah, I've seen, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, fine, if they want to do that. But then people were like, oh, yeah, but I can't... I, I'm a black woman and I can't date a white oh, yeah. woman. But also... And I'm like, just stop making it so intricate. Yeah, all of, just... they've now got sort of boys and boys and girls and girls, which is great. Yeah. But they're all blonde, so... Where's what the brunette gaze? Yeah. Where are these guys? Yeah. It's not fair. They're not representing. No, and they're all yellow. All yellow. They're all just Simpsons, so <laughs> nobody wins, really. Yeah, I, well, I think nobody wins at like, this level of conversation. Yeah, like, nobody wins if you're using them, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Should probably go over this as well. You're <laughs> too oh. attached to the emotion. You know what's going to happen is, all right, everyone, anyone listening to this, just send her a smiley face emoji. Love it. Just uh, full uh, sentences. Just Me full and my friends have full sentences, just but just via emojis. <laughs> well, I'm, try- I'm trying to add more interactive bits to this podcast. <laughs> with Beck Hills at podcast, she suggested people should tweet me hats that I should wear on stage ah. because because I was saying that um, I, sp- I spoke to an agent a while ago and uh, they they said, "Oh, you're really funny. We really like what you do, but we we sort of can't take it. We've sort of you look." a little bit similar to everyone else we've got and we sort of need to diversify a little bit more oh my God. I know and I was like oh okay fine and I was talking to Beck about this and they were like oh maybe wear a hat maybe just, just wear a hat you look each different. time no one else wears a hat <laughs> and I was like alright fine people tweet me a hat that I should wear and I got a load of them so I love that which was at catface or at Charlotte at catface talent at catface talent send her an emoji love it get yeah. the emojis on there <laughs> I genuinely want to see how many people tweet you There's that. There's quite a few cat emojis as well, so I use those quite a lot. That's true. It's great. That's true. I, the problem I've got with those is I've overused them with my friends <laughs> because I've got a show called Buddhism and Cats, so like I keep sending oh, yeah. them. There's no Buddhism one. Fuck that. Of course um, there isn't. No. No. There's other cool. religions. There's a little praying one. Yeah, you don't really pray, pray no. in Buddhism. You haven't got a god. You just, <laughs> oh, you yeah. just, you just sit around arming. Maybe just a little emoji of yourself. <laughs> That'll do. You can do that on Facebook. 
Do you? you know if you put two square brackets and type your, you know, your 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 vanity name? So What's you know your, your um, Facebook.com forward slash. Oh yeah. What is yours like cat face yeah, or something yeah. like that? If you, so if you put two square brackets around it, it takes your uh, profile picture and makes it a little square. Oh my god, yeah. this is amazing. <laughs> this is what I'm going to be doing all afternoon now. <laughs> We're just sending out to people. Copy paste, <laughs> copy paste, copy paste. Look at me, guys. <laughs> I've made myself into an emoji. <laughs> Oh, I feel like all your dream. friends hate me dream. already. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well. they hate me as well. Don't worry. <laughs> it's okay. We'll send each other emojis. It'll be absolutely fine. Um, I was going to ask. I sort of lost rhythm this Sorry. a little bit. Let's get back. Let's back on track. Back on track. Um, I was going to ask. Like, do you, how does it work? Do you, do you charge like a flat fee, or is it like a percentage of the amount they earn? Or? Um, it's a percentage, right. uh, which I think is sort of universal for right. for most agents. Um, so it's just a percentage of everything. I mean, right. Well, not everything. I mean, I'm not. I'm not like a scrounger but <laughs> so if they book a gig you don't get anything out of that kind of thing it's it's a percentage of their live diary so mm. um you know it ranges from from different things yeah obviously i was but i the difference is because we are a live agency um i'll book things that are worth no money so i'll book all of the new material gigs and the previews and stuff which is no money so um yeah that's interesting i thought i thought as a, and this is me probably being naive I thought you, we, I as a comedian if I was represented by you would have to do my own no, open no, mic booking so that I can get new material out no I think it's I think that's I think it's only fair you know so if if I'm if worth well, if, if Catface is going to take a percentage of of everything then why not help with the non-paying stuff as well I just think it's it should be a, a sort of package it should be everything mm. um, you know we've said we'll look after your live diary so that's what we're going to do yeah, that totally. includes Edinburgh previews and, and new material nights or tryout nights and you know all of that stuff yeah totally so like if, if you were doing a preview at like the hen and chickens where that costs would you guys hit, take the cost on that or do you like do a percentage of it or um well we, we'd like to think that we cover the higher fee <laughs> um so then it will be just i've done a few previews that i thought would cover it and then i've done a few <laughs> oh, that yeah. have covered yeah, it yeah they're it's, hard it's kind of evened out for me but yeah. i'm not i'm not putting down any of your acts I'm not no no to it's that. fine tim renko's doing one next week i think at the head and chickens Plug it, why don't you <laughs> guys um, tickets still available <laughs> to be fair i'm seeing him in edinburgh he's bloody amazing isn't he yeah i, I really love, love him. him yeah he's, he's got awesome. we've got some good plans for edinburgh actually have you he's doing the blunderbuss isn't he bob's yeah, yeah, so you've yeah. seen the Heroes at the Hive as well. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah. Bob's bloody blunderbuss, which is the best thing ever. I know. Taking over Edinburgh. Yeah, yeah, so he'll yeah. be there with that. He'll, I fucking love Bob. There. I He's bloody so love cool. Bob. Yeah, yeah, I really He's w- an incredible man. Yeah, yeah. I was going to get him on the agent panel, the one you're coming on. Oh, yeah. But I, he's not an agent. But he was like, you should never trust someone who is an agent purposely. <laughs> you should trust people who accidentally become agents like me. And I was like, okay. He's great. He's yeah. got the best stories of anyone oh, yeah. in Edinburgh that I've ever met, I think. Yeah, He's yeah. incredible. To be fair... He, he's the kind of person who if, if he didn't have good stories like I would be concerned because he goes out a lot and yeah. spends a lot of time with people yeah. and I'd be like what, what are you doing when you're out like why are you not telling people <laughs> his life this? is what, insane it must have been illegal something illegal yeah. definitely yeah no Sorry, I might get Bob. him on I might do that now <laughs> you, sort of you should get him me. on everything all yeah. the time I, we were going to do a regular pod like uh, me, really? Bob and Simon's like you know monthly roundup of the do industry. it on the bus yeah. do it on the blunderbuss we could do th- what it was going to be where we took like basically everything that's on Chortle and then just ripped it apart so we were just going to like talk about whatever's happening in the news and going yeah. oh that guy's an idiot <laughs> or like oh that shouldn't have happened oh look at how crap you'll that never is. be reviewed by Chortle ever again to be fair he never wants to review me ever Doesn't anyway he? no Julia Chamberlain reviewed me for Chortle the one time ah. he had an opportunity to do it he didn't even come oh that's a shame it's alright I don't want I don't want him in a way doing that because I think he'll just hate me <laughs> oh yeah maybe he might <laughs> I, I mean 
<laughs> he, but he hates a few people, you know. He's just he, very he's, honest. He seems really lovely. Like I've emailed him back. He's and a forth lovely guy. Stuff. He's a really nice guy. But I'm just worried he'll hate what I do. But yeah, it just says what he thinks, which is obviously what you need to do. Well, yeah, if you're a yeah. reviewer. Well, I, tell you, I tell you what I did. So I emailed some reviewers to say, "Come see me in yeah, Edinburgh," yeah. like everyone is. And, <laughs> and Copstick, I emailed her just saying, "Oh, by the way, um, uh, you know, if you can come see me, that'd be great. You don't have to review me if you don't want to. Um, but it'd be lovely to see you and whatever." Uh, also, um, oh, what was the other thing I said? Something like also. Uh, oh yeah, I've changed venues because the whole freestyle thing. Yeah, you know I'm now just the tonic. And she emailed back within about ten minutes. She's in Kenya at this point. She emailed just saying, "Oh, I'll be there." Oh, oh. I was like, "Oh, Jesus. danger!" Oh, <laughs> I was like, "You know, when you email someone, you think I don't mind either answer." Yeah, like, if anything, I kind just of wanted reply. to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I kind of wouldn't mind if you said you were busy. But I now love I'm scared. her. <laughs> she's an incredible woman. Yeah, oh, we she's had. Um, I don't know if you know, but uh, Catface put a show on last year in Edinburgh called "Take oh. a Comedian Out." I did. I heard about that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was amazing. And mm. obviously, we had we had to have uh, girls who were the dates to date the comics. And uh, Kate Copsick was actually our our secret weapon. And we recorded her um, her sort of intro video and everything. That's and awesome. she would all signed up for it, and it was incredible. It was we kept it majorly secret from all, none of the comics yeah. knew, none of the kind of production team knew. It was just us. Yeah. And um, she broke her arm two days before the show. Oh no! And she was like, "Oh, we were so gutted." But we got Stephanie Merritt in from who's the, the reviewer of the Observer, yeah. who was obviously amazing. It was incredible, but. Kate was we Kate were really gutted that we couldn't have Kate oh man no I, next I, time yeah my, one of my favourite episodes I've done so far this was with her because she just talks her mind and she's, she, yeah she's amazing this, it was the first episode I did with this with the portable one and the my cable came out halfway through because I was just enjo- like just listening going <laughs> didn't even know so I had to re-record the whole other half oh. of my side of it to put it up because all my questions <laughs> were like really tiny voices oh. yeah so it was, she was just amazing and yeah, like I love she, her she just gets it like do you know what I mean like yeah. she just understands comedy yeah she's really obviously very knowledgeable mm. about comedy and she's a mm. very intelligent woman and she's just she's one of the women many women that I admire in comedy I just think mm. she's great just every time I see her I'm just sort of in awe of her I mean she probably doesn't even know who I am but <laughs> I'm fully she in awe of her every time I see yeah. her I think she's great yeah 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 who, whichever reviewers then do you look like read the review of that you um, maybe not for your own acts just to find out stuff just uh, uh, often Bruce Desso I think he's great he's a great yeah. man um, and obviously Steve Bennett I, ch- I read Chortle every day I'm, I'm on it it's one of my bookmarks on the on the Mac yeah. uh, so I read that every day and um, just you know when I'm in Edinburgh I'll pick up the three weeks uh, papers and the Broadway Baby papers and the lists often I'll just mm. read all the ones in Edinburgh so I don't really read them throughout the year until unless somebody kind of points one out mm. to me that's a good one maybe and obviously if my acts are in it then I'll I'll read them obviously Google alerts yeah, 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 yeah. Google alerts on those guys yeah. um, but when I'm in Edinburgh I try and read everything because mm. there's so much to go and see that obviously they do help you mm. decide which shows that you should go yeah. and watch and give a bit of time to but do you, what do you think of because there's a lot of like stu- student reviewers quote unquote yeah I'm not really a fan of that <laughs> right. like because I mean, I think everyone should be given a chance. Obviously, if that's what they yeah. want to do, then yeah, fine, give them a, a chance. But what my problem is, is that if that, you know, they're often quite personal type reviews. Like, and it's, I remember one one year for one of my acts, uh, she was doing a show and it was a great show. It was great material. It got loads of lovely reviews from really sort of reputable people. And then there was this one review that just talked about her shoes and the, what she was wearing. <laughs> And it was nothing. There was not one sentence in there about the material and about the, the show and the stuff she'd wow. put in it. And it was just about kind of the way she looked and what she was wearing. And I was just like, that's not, no, that's not, it's a, not review. a review. It's yeah. not. And if something, you know, somebody who doesn't, is, isn't sort of knowledgeable about comedy reads that, they might not go and see that show because of this review that somebody's done. And I think that's unfair when, when 
a bad review written by somebody who might not actually know what they're really talking about mm. might, might put off people of a really good show and I think yeah. that's not that's not really fair mm. I mean I'm not sure if there should be like a criteria for you to be a reviewer I'm not I'm not sure how that would work but probably wouldn't work yeah it's yeah. just I think sometimes the student ones are a bit unfair because maybe they're not quite as experienced or, or as knowledgeable about the industry and the circuit and the acts that they're reviewing I think sometimes mm. I think they're a bit unfair and they're a bit kind of short-sighted mm. um, if that makes sense yeah well, I mean, something I'm still trying to work out, I've done three Edinburgh's now, yep. and I'm still trying to work out whether a review starts word of mouth or whether it complements it. Um, it's a good question, actually. It probably works both ways. It's one of those things. I remember when I was at Just a Tonic a few years ago, a fair few years ago now, I can't remember, the, I think it was called The Dark Side of the Poon. Uh, which is the show? Um, unfortunately, I didn't get to see it. But oh. I think it, I think it was that show. Please do correct me if I'm wrong. But it either got zero stars or one star. Mm. When it was like a, it was like a huge thing because no one had ever got this like low yeah. score before, and it just meant people flocked to it. People absolutely flocked to see what they were talking about and what this kind of rubbish show was about. Yeah. And it just it was then sold out every day. Yeah. So. It, they kind of it does assist it and it does and obviously that show got that review because people were talking about it it obviously had a mental title the poster was incredible it was like weird and very very sexual so you know it's every. I think they kind of complement each other but mm. obviously people put their reviews on their posters and everything if you get a five star review you get you stick that all over the posters and then mm. people will talk about that and people go look they've got they've got six five star reviews let's go and see that one so mm. it kind of helps each other I think but they're both really important I guess. So do you use that? Because for me, I avoid star ratings as much as possible because I hate them. Yeah, I they're, think they're useless. often very but unfair. It, it sounds like, I mean, it's a very good shorthand for audience, obviously. Yeah. But if you're reading everything, I presume you don't necessarily take into account the stars as much. No, I try, I try not to look at the stars because, you know, there's that really uh, common thing that everyone says, oh, it's, it's a three, but it reads like a four. You know, that's I love a, that. It's like, that's, <laughs> that's just your ego going, no, <laughs> should no, have been it four. reads like a five, but it was a two. What yeah. are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> But it's just, yeah, I, I, I'll never just look at the stars. I'll mm. always read what that person's got to say about yeah. about that thing. But I always like to go to a show and make up my own mind about it, I guess. You know, there's, there's shows that have got five stars that I don't necessarily think deserve the five stars. Yeah. And, and also, there's shows that have got two that I don't deserve. I don't think deserve two. So it's just very, it's very obviously, comedy is a very subjective thing. Yeah. And that must come out in the reviews. It has to. Yeah, totally. So what, so what are you looking for when you go to Edinburgh for a show? Um, well just fun times <laughs> just, just put that as your bio guys just, just change to fun just times just looking for some fun times but uh, well this not year not when you were looking at Dark Side of the Poon <laughs> oh yeah not Dark Side of the Poon that, I did, apparently there's a six foot inflatable vagina on the stage so imagine well that's my show gone that's like that's my <laughs> ruined it for everyone else yeah, yeah. well this wow. year um, sorry who did that show I can't think it was Pete Jonas but I'm not sure I'm going to look this up afterwards. look it up because if it's not sh- Pete Jonas take this bit out <laughs> I do show notes for every episode this is going to be so much effort to find all yeah. these things you're it, it was. I remember it was at the caves one year I didn't yeah. get to see it but people were out- outraged at it Okay, but it got people talking yeah that's the thing you, it's just about standing out for a good reason yeah yeah but I would always go and see like, after about a week of being at the Fringe I go every year for the whole thing yeah I will go and see every show that's got one star because I just want to know. Yeah, you want to know. Like, it's Funs and Games is one of the ones last year that yeah. absolutely divided people. Some of my friends loved it and went to see it four or five times. Yeah. And then some people were just like, God, I can't, I just can't, don't get it. Just mm. do not get it. So I like to just go and watch everything. Yeah. I love watching everything from, like, from stand-up to sketch to characters and 
I love it all. Yeah, it makes sense. So you're in the right industry. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I'm doing yeah. all right in that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you were talking about corporates before. Yeah. And what, what do you think makes a good corporate act? Um, it's a very, very different skill set to <laughs> just a com- like a normal sort of comedy club. It's a, it's a very different, um, yeah, different skills because those people haven't paid to see a comedian. They don't. If anything, that comedian is probably interrupting their evening with their work friends and their alcohol. Um, they haven't they haven't requested that they haven't asked for that so it, it the skill is kind of not only grabbing that audience's attention but also maintaining it and holding it for people that don't really want to be there and don't really want to <laughs> listen to what you've got to say and whereas if you go to a comedy club those people have paid money to sit down and listen to some comedy whereas in a corporate environment they just want to get their awards or you know talk to their friends or drink the booze and eat the food and and go home it's they haven't ask for that comedy so you have to give it to them and make them you have to make them want it and that's a very very difficult thing especially when you're wearing a suit and <laughs> having to not swear yeah by, by the sounds of that though do you think there's a case for corporates not necessarily being the best place for comedy oh they're absolutely not the best place for comedy <laughs> absolutely not but you know they're they're that's what people want and that's what the organizers want and it kind of breaks up the evening they love a bit of entertainment there but the best place for comedy arguably is the you know somewhere like the comedy store on a friday night that's the best environment and the mm. corporate world is way far off that but it's you know it's still an important part of a of a comedian's diary and that that um company's event you know that's their biggest event of the year probably mm. so that comedian has to deliver and they 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 can walk into a room of people that don't want to listen and don't don't necessarily care what they've got to say and they can turn it around and then that those people will have a great time and they'll mm. remember it and then they'll come back next year so it's just a very different skill set and a very different um, talent, I think. Mm. You, you kind of have to hone. But there are a lot of, lot of good comedians who can do it. It's mm. just, I don't think it's the best environment. Of course it's not. Downstairs, a little basement and the comedy store is a great, great environment. It's pretty environment. much where I like to spend all my time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know, when I tell my friends that, they're like, you don't like, go out or anything? Like, like, yeah, I do, but just to a basement. Just inside. Yeah, yeah. There was a... Um, the oh, the Prince Charles Cinema that's yeah. next to the Leicester Square Theatre. Yeah, yeah. They put up a thing uh, above the thing that said "Sod the sunshine, come in and sit in the dark." <laughs> and I went down. and I was like, "I'm flyering these people. This is the people <laughs> that the I. People they're need. the people I need because yeah. they're like, oh, I don't want to get skin cancer or whatever. I want to come and see comedy. <laughs> I hate the sunshine, so I, I don't why mind I'm it, but I don't want it for too long. No, I oh, I hate it. I'm far too pale for that. Uh, okay, <laughs> fair enough. I love the winter. Love the winter. Oh, the winter's better. Yeah, I mean, my birthday's in winter, so I'm definitely going to be biased. <laughs> but but I enjoy it in Edinburgh when it's all gloomy and rainy. Like, yeah, yeah, I love yeah. it, but everyone else hates it. But well, it's a bit, I okay, if great. I have to do a lot of running around, I don't like it. But if I get to just sit in a ve- if I if I'm at like, three sisters, and I can just go from room to room yeah. and never go outside. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is. G-. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I'm way happier here. Than it's like I... that at the caves, actually, when I was yeah, looking yeah. at the caves. Yeah, they're it's all... great in there. They're they... great rooms. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can come see uh, Buddhism and cats at the caves. I mean, that's just a. What is in the spare room? Line. Yes, in the spare room. What time? Like seven thirty oh, every day. Go. Yeah, it's fine. I'll be there. Uh, yeah. Oh, good. Oh, good. Every day. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> Maybe not every day. <laughs> Maybe once or twice. I'm gonna be there every day. But why not? Uh, no, it's fine. Just cheap plugging. Why not? Um, <laughs> you need a little like plug jingle. I, well, you know, I, th- there's another a friend of mine who does a podcast and he um, specifically says you're not allowed to do material on it and whenever you do he's got a buzzer oh, that amazing. you buzz you and I thought I'll start doing that but the problem is because I don't really interview comedians yeah. ever like, I've done four out of 25 episodes now so I don't you guys don't really no. quote jokes really <laughs> I, don't have any, I don't have any jokes you that's don't have any sure. jokes well, this is a waste of time should we go <laughs> Rubbish. But I mean, because corporates are the thing that comedians always complain about. Like, yeah. consistently, every time I've I've got loads of them on Facebook, and we all do. And <laughs> yeah. every single time they've done a corporate, they get on Facebook afterwards and go, "Oh, those insert company yeah. name or brand here or whatever yeah. were horrible. They didn't care." But then you're thinking to yourself, "You did have the option not to do it." Yeah, I mean, and obviously, the, you know, we all know the reason why they do it. It's because they're very well paid. <laughs> But yeah. one of my favourite ones, actually, um, Ellie Taylor, mm. Catface Act. She's brilliant. Um, she is. Yeah. She, well, uh, one when of her, is she on in Edinburgh? No, she's not doing a show in Edinburgh this year, oh, unfortunately. Right. But she is on Brotherhood on Comedy Central, if you want to watch that. Oh, um, she, uh, one, I think it might have even been her first ever corporate, actually. One of her corporates, she had to host the Butcher Shop of the Year Awards, which, as you can imagine, for she describes it as like the personification of a sausage fest and it was just that and it's just obviously that that could have been horrific it could have been the worst gig of her life but she went and she smashed it she really enjoyed it and Mm. all the people there had a great time so it just sort of depends how you look at it I guess you can walk in with the mentality that you're gonna have a good gig and you're gonna turn that room around and you're gonna make all those people laugh or you can go oh god this is awful I'm just gonna suck it up and Mm. take my check and leave and and I think if you do, you know, if you have the mentality of the first one, then then you you probably will have a nice time, and everyone will have a nice time, and you you might get booked again. Mm. But if you have the second one, I mean, the thing is, I'm assuming, and I mean, this might just be my business head on here, but if if you have if they do one a year, yeah, they're not going to want the same. I mean, it's not like the Baftas where they might do like Ricky Gervais mm. four years in a row. They're not going to want you for a while anyway. No, but so, they will often. One of the one of the very important things that you know we always ask for when one of the actors are corporate is a testimonial because if you can get a quote from somebody saying that oh my god this person smashed our event and we love them and everything was perfect and they were professional and they were hilarious you can say that to another company and they'll go oh, okay we trust that and here's a video of them doing really well great we'll have them mm. so 
just because you know one corporate can lead to many others and especially if there's massive agencies out there like JLA who I'm not you know I'm not sure if you're aware of those people like JLA and um, uh, Julie Bushell and, and places like that are kind of uh, almost as Catface are the middleman between a comedy club and a, and a comedian these are the middlemen between a corporate company and a comedian so they will put somebody like JLA will come to an agency and say we've got this event who do you have free and then they'll feed that back to the company so they're essentially a corporate agency mm. and um, I can't remember where I was going with this we're why d- are we talking about this I briefly was just saying that <laughs> comedians moan oh yeah well they do moan <laughs> but yeah, but yeah well, that's what I mean it's, um, so that corporate agency if you do an event via them and get excellent feedback they'll come back to you and they'll, they'll give you more events mm. so you could possibly be doing you know one a month maybe mm. um, which is great for everyone all around so yeah just you know one corporate can lead to many other corporates mm. so just because they do them once a year there's there's thousands of companies doing one every day there's probably one every day happening so you can you can definitely get in there and and, mm. and get involved in that corporate world it, but it is very difficult and it's very hard and it's n- not nice yeah for the, not nice often for the comics but well yeah it, it's like what we were saying before mentioning no names but we were, we were talking about a comedian that appears on TV quite a lot yeah. and we were like well, how are they still there like, why are they still do you know what I mean yeah. and, and it was the same thing where like well they're just on it now because getting on it is the hard part and then it's just carrying yeah. on so getting on corporate I assume getting over your first one yeah because there's no training for that it's not like gigs where you can go and do your own basement gigs and get ready for it yeah you can't put no, on a fake corporate no you just and, have to go and do it you just have to go and do it but some people are really good at it mm. and, and actually some people really enjoy it some, I have a, a couple of comedians who are like, yeah, get me more of those. Like, they love the challenge and they love that. Mm. They love making people kind of sort of listen and getting, winning the audience round. So, yeah, they will moan about it, but then we all moan about everything, I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Catface comedy moans about it. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, it makes, to me, it makes sense that there's always, um, there's always going to be corporates. So if you, if you can get that under your belt. Yeah. If, yeah, you know, like I said, it's a it's a really difficult skill to kind of master and to hone. But once you've got it, you've got it, and you can walk into you know if Ellie can host the Butcher Shop of the Year Awards. I remember um, I used to work with Rob Beckett, who is incredible mm, and I love. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he did one once that was like something like the Refrigerator Awards of the Year, and mm. I just thought if you can make that funny, then you know you've got a bloody good skill, and you can take that and use it <laughs> for any awards or any of company event. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I, have a, I have a friend of mine okay. who is doing very well, right? We're going to mention no names. Okay. But she's doing very well. She's got a sellout show. Everything's going really, really good for her. And she recently tried to contact some tour managers and promoters and things. Right. And all of them said to her, oh, who's your agent? And she said, I don't have one. And hasn't heard back from a lot of them. Okay. Now, do you think that, because she said to me, this is sort of a user-submitted question, as it were. Right. Um, she said to me, you know, is that something that, you know, is it like a, a mark of... Um, maybe like a badge of honour like if you've got an agent they'll take you seriously and they'll like do that or is it a case of they're just busy at the moment and it might no- be nothing to do with that or um, I'm not sure to be honest because I am I guess one of those components of that question so um, I don't think it's necessarily a badge of honour I guess it just so, means sorry can we because right. that is um, really loud yeah I'm just wa- I'm just watching it pick it up and going it sort of got it when it was over there and it was okay but it's, what is it just a it's just a bit, bin I think. Yeah. <laughs> sorry guys interrupted by a bin It'll how get, embarrassing I'm editing that bit out it's fine <laughs> um, should we assume yeah, yeah. Let's, let's go for um, it well because we need to get the continuity of the child crying oh obviously. yeah of course <laughs> I mean I, I bring her everywhere with me <laughs> she's my staple um, 
I'm having a bad game. I've got a child. I've got a child. Let's run. Nice to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I guess Catface is one of those components of that question. So yeah. I d- I'm not, you know, I'm obviously biased, I guess, in, in however, whichever way I answer mm. it. But I don't think it's necessarily a badge of honour. I just think it means that perhaps in the eyes of a promoter or a tour manager or um, one of those companies, that it means that you're slightly maybe more advanced or m- more experienced or more maybe res- no, not respected that's not the right word but you're more mm. further up the ladder I guess than if you don't have an agent maybe they think you're not quite at that level where somebody is going to look after your stuff I'm, I'm not sure to be honest but um, I always think if you've got a good show then it that's all you should really need but maybe they have to have an agent I'm not sure okay yeah and I, I mean uh, does that mean trying to think how to phrase this one because it's because to me from the way you answer that it feels like there is maybe a glass ceiling before you if you don't have an agent or it's harder uh, you know like it like the sort of graph yeah. of it will get harder the more you yeah, don't have an but agent. i also think um if you imagine if you're if you are a tour agent or if you are a promoter or a booker the level of emails that you get it must mm. be insane and it must be you must be inundated with emails and if you're getting emails from individual comics saying come and see my show come and see my show or or you know take my show on tour do this do this and then you get one email from an agent that you know and that you respect mm. and that you like and that you talk to a lot and they say oh we've got the three shows do you want to fancy come and see one of these like you you're probably going to lean more towards talking to that person than, than taking a punt on one of these apps yeah. who've messaged you who you might not have heard of or you don't mm. know but if you're talking to an agent you know that agent well and you know probably some or all of their roster and you're more likely to gravitate towards that person that you have this relationship with rather than an unknown comic who's not been on your radar before. Mm. It was like the thing we were saying with social media where like with Louisa, she's made the relationship with her audience. They trust her. So if he's going to do a preview, even if they know it's new material, they'll be like, well, we're going to go to that. It's going to be good. Yeah, 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 because she's built up her her name and her brand. Yeah. And that happens... Much like Catface. Much like Catface. (laughs) Hi, guys. Yeah. Um, (laughs) She, yeah, her first show, what would Beyonce do, was just in Edinburgh, no no Mm. agent, no PR, no backing, nothing. And it was all done by her Mm. and word of mouth and just a bloody brilliant show. People talked about it and she did everything herself. And even now, you know, she's doing, just recorded the DVD. It was funded by her fans, funded Mm. by herself booked by herself and all you know she has the support now of Debbie Allen Live Nation yeah. Catface and uh, KPPR KPPR mm. Katie yeah, Phillips PR yep. uh, so she does have a whole team and a whole entourage but in the beginning she had none of that and yeah. it's but it's hard to get the attention I guess because comedy is so inundated with people and comics and shows mm. that it's hard to get the attention of that mm. booker or that promoter or that company I guess without the backing of an agent yeah that makes sense yeah, when I spoke, I did. A, I had her on the podcast a while ago. Yeah, and uh, yeah, she was like, I emailed PRs. Like, I just they just yeah. didn't want me. They yeah. were like, you're never going to be able to afford this, and you're not. We don't know you. We don't know who the yeah. hell you are. And so, yeah, I suppose it's the same thing with live bookers. Where, but it's the bigger stakes there because for a PR to just say we'll take on a show. Yeah, you know, you've done all the. You've got to the stage where you have a show. Yeah, <laughs> the bin is back. <laughs> sort of just going to be a running joke that only we're going to get <laughs> yeah. just, just go away bin man um, um, but yeah but it's one of the things where like you've done the show you've, you've booked all the venues you've done all that stuff all they need to do is publicise it as it were yeah. whereas a tour, a tour manager they've got to do all the stuff you've done for Edinburgh where they've got to find you individual venues yeah. publicise it get you from A to B and stuff yeah it's hard like you know we Catface just did the Four Alarms and Hog Tour the mm. UK leg of things um, mm. and it was 
you know we had to convince people like this is a great show look mm. at these videos look at these reviews etc etc and mm. and we had to kind of push that to get those in the in the venues but it was it was easy you know i don't really want to use the term easier but i'd spoken to all these people before you know i speak to the stand on a weekly sort of basis mm. i've spoken to the extra felix before and and jonglers we did we did um uh, Leeds Jonglers venue which sold out so I'd spoken to all these people very very regularly so they know me and they kind of trust that I'm giving them a good show I guess mm. um, but whereas if they'd gone to Four Lives and Hog maybe they wouldn't have got the same If I mean if Four Lives and Hog had gone straight to them mm. not via me maybe they wouldn't have had that same response or that same um, booking maybe I'm not maybe not I don't know mm. no that makes sense yeah. it's just sort of agents just sort of streamline it I guess yeah it's sort of the thing that the thing that's really like striking me about is more and more I do this podcast and more and more I talk to people in the industry is think of it as a business. And think, oh yeah, definitely. Because I think comedians have this. <laughs> I mean, what is in that bin? It's nothing in it. He's just pushing it back and forth. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's blatantly like a comedian with a rival podcast. Yeah. Just going, no, okay, this is definitely what I do. Um, God, what? that's brilliant. Anyway, yeah. Um, but yeah, I just think some comedians just go, you know, all, all I need to do is write, all I need to do is think, which you do when you have the people in place yeah. to, to help you do that. Yeah, you really have to think about it. Uh, it's your career, you know, it is your yeah. job, it is your work. So you have to think of it, you have to get your business head on. And then when you're in the clubs, that's when you put your comedian head on. So yeah. you really do have to think of it as a, as a job and as a business and as a company. Mm. And there are a lot of comics who do that and they do that very well, you know. Um, sketch groups especially and, and uh, the Noise Next Door who are my yeah. friends from university and I adore them and they very much treat it like a business and they have plans in place and you know bank accounts in place and everything and it's all very it's all very business like the structure mm. is very very business like and then you know when they're on the stage they're comics and they're hilarious mm. and they're they're great so yeah. you do have to treat it like that and that's how you become successful I think because it means that you take it seriously and you take it properly you do everything properly yeah yeah you can pound around the open mic all you want and, yeah you know because that's hobby but yeah like if you're yeah, gonna do it, yeah there's a point where it becomes less of a hobby and more of a, a career choice and a business yeah totally yeah and no, i'd agree with that and there's a lot of stuff on short as you probably have read bloody love it um as about the, the circuit being in crisis yeah um do you think that's true i don't think it's necessarily in crisis i think all that's happened is that there are less gigs and more comics which just means it's just more competitive it's more um you know it's harder to get into those places so you have to step up your game and work harder it's just like any business really (laughs) you know everything gets competitive at a point and i just think clubs are getting less but saying that you know there's fifth there's at least 15 clubs in leicester square i think Mm. so it's it's um there's just more and more acts every day there's more acts doing it you know there's Mm. there's comedy club like comedy courses in universities Mm. now and everybody is becoming so mainstream and it's such a popular thing everybody loves comedy I've never Mm. met anyone who says oh I hate comedy you know everybody loves it I hate laughing yeah Yeah. (laughs) so boring feeling happy inside (laughs) (laughs) do you know what I mean it's a universal thing there there will be everybody loves at least one style of comedy so everybody's giving it a go now and it just means that there's that the the circuit is saturated I don't think it's in crisis I just think it's saturated Mm. there's still thousands of good comedy clubs across the country with good lineups good acts that are well run well promoted and well paid so mm. there's is I, I don't think it's in crisis i just think it's got more competitive mm. 
And uh, the, did you listen to Brendan Burns' uh, keynote? No, the, I haven't. I saw this on your yeah on your Facebook. I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. So good, is it? Yeah, like That's there was a bit in it, it where he was talking about how um, uh, uh, because of, because the. Um, promoters are pandering to audiences to get them in because yeah. they're worried about not selling out and stuff. Um, they're basically attracting like a certain audience, right. which means that the predominantly on, in clubs he, he sees just white audiences rather than like diverse audiences, wow. and that's why the circuits are breaking away. So like there's like a black circuit, for example, yeah, and and there's sort of like um, the you alternative can sort of, circuit, yeah, or like there's like um, all female lineups and things like that, yeah. so that you can you know target more specifically. Yeah, I mean, do you, in a way is. It, so, it sort of makes business sense to me that some of that happens anyway. Not all yeah. of it, but like some of it makes sense if you want to sort of target a specific. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but it's not necessary, I don't think. Right. I mean, it's, it's probably useful and it's nice that people can pick and choose what they want to go and see. But ultimately, you just want to go and see some comedy. You just want to go and see some funny. Mm. I mean, yeah. The, the thing that the, the thing that really struck out to me was um, how he said something like. Uh, the the promoters need to start listening to the comedians like the actual people that are just doing the circuit yeah. because without us you don't have a job but without you we'll find a way of doing it yeah because we can just rent a pub room and do it yeah totally. and it doesn't matter so I mean do you, do you think do you think there's big, I'm not saying agents are a result of this but do you think because of the fact that they're, they're letting the live booking going to other people there's less of a communication between the acts directly to promoters on um maybe I'm uh yeah, I guess there is, but then, but then there's, you know, the comedians are the ones who go and do the job at that mm. club, so they will still have that relationship. Uh, mm. And agents are sort of just the in-between kind of admin section of that, I guess. Mm. <clears throat> but um, it's, I just think you just need, as long as you've got a good lineup, mm. then you should have a good club, and the audiences will come back. If they've had a nice time, then they'll come back. Mm. That's what I always think. You don't, you shouldn't, we shouldn't be we shouldn't need to have kind of these specialist type clubs mm. and, and circuits but I guess that's the way it's going now yeah yeah totally which is sad yeah well I mean themed nights I'm quite for because they've been around for a while yeah. like, like the pun run or lolitics yeah, or whatever because yeah. I don't know I think if you if I wanted to go out and see just political comedy for example yeah I would look up something like lolitics and just yeah, go yeah. to that whereas you know if it's like um, a gendered comedy night for example I'm not particularly fond no, on that because I, mean, I just think why can't yeah I mean there's things like funny women which is you know which is a great sort of platform for, for many people but what I think is is you know it's the same with the BBC putting one woman on every panel mm. show or whatever it's, I mean that's great because it gives these women a place to, to do their job and to be funny or whatever but mm. so that's obviously a positive but the negative of that is that we're drawing attention to it mm. they shouldn't be there because they're a woman they shouldn't be there because they're black or they shouldn't be there because they're doing something in particular they should be there because they're funny like mm. so it is positive that it's giving people who might not have had that chance that chance but it's negative that we're sort of highlighting highlighting that thing and then going mm. look they're here because of this not yeah. they're here because they're funny but i'm also a fan of themed nights and you know there's a uh, like joke thieves which is great and mm. comedy death which is amazing and mm. all those little shows i love that i love that sort of thing and but like shambles i adore yeah, yeah, Rumble yeah. harry james way he's amazing and that that's the sort of club that i really love going to and and so there is a place for things like that but we shouldn't really put a highlight and like a um so much attention on the fact that these people are there because they do this they should be there because they're funny Mm. yeah totally i think it should it's like a meritocracy it should be about your your skill set rather than 
who you are. As yeah, it were. definitely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, for for me, the whole the whole BBC thing with with trying to get like more women on. The thing that really annoyed me was like the first couple of shows I saw of that. They'd put on people that weren't even female comedians. They were like journalists, or they were so like just women. Yeah, just a woman. And I <laughs> was like, some woman from like, somewhere. That's not helping this at no. all because yeah, for one, you've mandated it, so there's more women on the thing. Great. At least book a female woman. Yeah, at least you know, book a female who a female can comedian, do the same sorry, job as that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The same job as that male comedian. Yeah. You know, we should be able to switch on the TV on a panel show and there'd be five women and one man and nobody yeah. bats an eyelid because everybody's just funny. That's mm. just how it should be. But at the moment, we're just highlighting the fact, look, look, there's a woman, there's a woman. And yeah. it shouldn't be kind of a... Novelty. Yeah, it shouldn't be a novelty. It should just be, look how hilarious they are. But do you, do you think it's because... Um, culturally, most people are used to seeing men on TV. That they're just not used to seeing women, so there's kind of that resistance. Or do you think it's um, a case of genuinely the audience that it kind of attracts at the moment isn't people that like female comedy? Because it could just be that the, the audience that a certain show attracts at the moment simply because historically they haven't had them on. Yeah, there. yeah, maybe. And there's new. Um you know the new panel shows that are sort of coming through yeah. there are obviously more women involved um, and that's great but I still I still don't understand those people who say oh I just don't find girls funny it's like what I'm how like, are you where living are you looking at? Like, like, yeah. yeah how can you not find people like you know Ellie Taylor or Catherine Ryan Sarah Millican mm. and all these people how are you not finding them funny they're yeah. hilarious like I mean, you're, you you're don't have to res- find everyone funny. Yeah, I don't find every female comedian funny. No, of course but not. But I find them funny. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, you can't just shut somebody down just because they're a comi- they're a, yeah. they're a female. Yeah. You should judge them on their material, not because mm. no, there's not, and p- some of my girls that you know we represent um, Louisa, Ellie Taylor, and Jen Brister. Mm. You know, and they get like oh, do you, you know things like um, I don't really like. I don't really like female comedians, but you were quite good, and and it's like that is not a compliment. No. you know that's not a that's not what you want to hear. <laughs> it's like that's like it's, the most backhanded yeah. thing where you're like, "Ooh, right for that." And yeah, you're like, oh. I think it's just been historically this thing where comedian comedians are male, you know, and it's a very male oriented job. And and it's only recently, only over the past few years, where women are really starting to break through and really mm. going, "No, we can do this as well, and we can do it better than you." You know, mm. it was. Well, not all of you, obviously, but yeah. I don't mean it like that. I mean that they're, you know, they're just as just as funny as the men. Some of them are yeah. funnier, and I think it's only been recently that that's been that's been acknowledged. Yeah. So it is getting better, and hopefully, in maybe two, three, five years or whatever, we won't even recognise that they're women anymore. We'll just go, "This is a comedian." Yeah. Doesn't matter what gender they are; they're funny. Yeah, like totally. Listen to what they've got to say, rather than what clothes they're wearing or mm. you know what gender they are yeah I mean the, the thing I always have is whenever I talk to someone about this and I go well I don't find every female comedian funny yeah. but I feel bad about that sometimes cause, cause I but feel you're like sure you don't find every male no, comedian funny no I don't but there's, but there's that thing where you, you think they might go all right, then name the ones you do. Oh, he hates you know? women. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, no, I, I, what? Ah. And yeah. It, but it, I think it's this sort of stigma that you get a bit as a, as a male comedian, where you sort of feel like you can't say anything that do you know what I mean? Because it might yeah. imply that you don't like any of them. <laughs> and you're like, well, no, I have friends who are. Like, I'm, I, I chat to Louisa you yeah, know, about yeah. the thing. I tried to help her out with that. I just did a preview of Beck. I've got one tonight with Miranda Kane. Yeah. You know, like I, I have. You know, I, I'm not. Yeah, but, it's, it's but, like, you feel, but you feel bad about. It. I feel like there's this weird. Yeah, there's, it's because they're still, even though you know it's, it's 2015, they're still put in the same category. They're still mm. separated. Like, oh, well, these are the girls and these are the boys. Whereas yeah. it's not just these are the comedians. Like it's yeah. always, you know, there's one promoter who likes to point that out quite a lot and says things like, you know, please welcome so and so. She's very nice to look at. And you're like, no, that's Whoa. yeah, I've heard that before in real life. <laughs> uh, I hope you don't book 
that gig anymore. Jesus. <laughs> but there's, they, they, I think. <laughs> Sorry, you know, I was there in a moment where I was like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you that story after this. Yeah. But I'm um, imagining, and this is maybe just me, but and this is not me trying to give them an excuse. But I'm imagining they've been around long enough that they, or their clubs, been around long enough that that was accepted. Yeah, when, when it was a boys' start. club. Yeah, and it was because there's no other reason why that should have stayed or, yeah. or started now. Yeah, exactly. It's only just oh, Jesus. becoming. I like it. That makes me sad. Sorry, oh, it was really sad. Uh, sorry, yeah. go on. Finish it, <laughs> but that's you know that's unfortunate because people will notice if it's an all male lineup. They go, oh, there's no girls on here, or yeah. you know. Whereas if it was an all female lineup, oh, it's all girls. Where's the men? You know, it's a, we're, yeah. we're still separating the males and the females. Where it's not like that in any other. You know, you don't you don't separate the male chefs from the female chefs in the yeah. in show business. You don't do it. We don't really do it with anybody else. Well, you do, you do do it with actors and actresses because you do like the best supporting actor and best supporting actress. Yeah. So but I guess that's because you know, in a role, in a in a film, if there's a wife, if there's a role for a wife, that has to be played by a woman. If there's a role for a husband, it has to be played by a man. Uh, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of more explicit those roles. But in com- in comedy, there shouldn't be that role. It should just be mm. a comedian, regardless of of gender. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I I feel like it should always be done on your merit and how good you yeah, are as a, as, as a funny person. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't say much. From, I mean, I'm not doing amazingly well. But you've only been so, going a short period of time. You no, know, I know. But it's one of those things where, you, where whenever I talk to someone about it, I go, oh, I wish it was done on... No, <laughs> but the thing is, the thing is, for me, I mean, like I said, I've been only going four and a half years. So, yeah, yeah it's a fair point. But I start to feel this um, weird vibe about it where um, it's kind of not a disadvantage, but it's kind of not an advantage anymore to be a white male on the circuit yeah. where, where previously it might have been yeah I, I, I've been trying to make this funny on stage it's really driving me mad because <laughs> it's just it's just not it's, it's one of those things where you know you, I could be I, I'm not replaceable in terms of material but like you feel sometimes in your head as a, as a white middle class comedian that they could just go well if he dropped out we could put this person in yeah and um, whereas with, because women often have a, have a more distinct look about them or they, or they have more style presence or they have, you know, uh, more, more yeah. um, uh, distinct things they talk about. Because I find male comedians talk about the same stuff a lot more, even though it's like, clear, I mean, a little yeah. bit. Because um, there's so many of us, you know, okay, statistically, if there's a million males and there's 500 women, yeah. just on numbers. Yeah, of course. Obviously, there's <laughs> not. But if we did it on that... Obviously, you're going to see more men talking about relationships, yeah, yeah, and women talking about different stuff because there's just enough of that. Yeah, is what yeah. I meant by that. I didn't mean like, no, I know what you mean. oh, men bang on about <laughs> whatever. Um, but it's it's um it's just that thing where you know we just said that the there's so many comedians, it's so oversaturated. It's with within that that you know white middle class males is the most um, represented section of that oversaturated market. So it just so happens that you're in that category. So you probably get um, as much, what's the word? So discrimination, I guess, with the females. I, mean, I don't know if you remember that thing. I can't remember how long ago now, a couple of months ago, Jenny Collier yes. was on a bill, got taken off the bill because they said there was too many women. That could happen to you one day because there's too many white middle-class men on it. I think, yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, that was that slightly, what it happened was um, the promoter, yeah, said that there was too many women on that bill because yeah. they, they wanted two instead of three or something. Yeah. And so she got removed from it and in the email it said, 
uh, yeah, we're removing you because you're a woman. Yeah, which um, is outrageous. Yeah, well, like, uh, not good at all that it was happening, but the fact they emailed them and said the reason. Yeah. They could have just said, oh, we've double booked or, or something. Yeah. You don't need to, and don't put it in writing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's everybody like, went crazy about yeah, that. It's like tweeting someone, hey, it's always there. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to give them a way out or an excuse no, in the future, but it's one of those things where some discretion so I imagine like if like a, if one of your acts got rejected for a gig you'd go oh they just fu-. you wouldn't go I mean you might I give would them say it's because you're a girl yeah, yeah, yeah. but you can... I think any good club any good comedy club will have will know how to put a lineup together mm. and they'll know you know not to put very similar acts next to each other and, mm. and it'll be a diverse and interesting yet funny lineup yeah. and I think any good promoter will know that and will you know they'll know not to put you on a bill next to somebody who does similar material or mm. looks very similar to you or doesn't you know, is as you say, sort of interchangeable with you. Yeah, I think totally. any good promoter and any good club will know that and know not to run their shows like that. Mm. What are your favourite clubs then that you like either um, book or go to? I love the Comedy Store, obviously. Okay. Simon Richards is one of my favourite people. Okay. As is Daryl Martin, just as like in Nottingham and Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I used to work there, so I'm slightly biased, slightly but biased. I love him with a passion. Yeah. Um, but also. Um, Comedy Cellar in Bracknell is is one okay. of the comedian's favourites and yeah. also an absolute joy to, to deal with. Mm. Uh, the Stand is obviously amazing and, yeah. and the Glees, all those big guys. But um, yeah, the Comedy Cellar definitely. Uh, the little ones, Angel Comedy Club is incredible in mm. London. That's amazing. And they're so on it and they're so mm. reliable and lovely and friendly. And what do, you, what do you think of free comedy nights then? I think there's a place for them, definitely. Mm. But as long as... There's definitely a place for them alongside the kind of paid for clubs and and Mm. the ticketed clubs but as long as they're well run and well promoted and well established and well controlled because you know anybody can walk in if it's free but as long as it's run correctly and and promoted correctly and and organized properly like angel is a very very good example of that i think so is top Mm. secret um Mm. both amazing clubs and they run very well specific rooms built for comedy and and Mm. it's they just have to be done correctly I think and it's mm. also very important as long as the acts get paid for, for mm. their time and what they're doing I think that's it's definitely a place for them because it's it's exactly the same as like in Edinburgh you know people who go to these shows haven't invested anything so mm. you know they're, they're quite open to new things and, and listening and also comedians need somewhere to try out new material a lot mm. for an audience who might not necessarily be their fans they'll mm. You know, they'll go and take a punt on this audience that just, mm. just want to see some comedy. Yeah, totally. So I, I do think there's a place for them. It's just they just have to be promoted and and and, and organised properly and yeah. run properly. Yeah, there's a lot of badly run free nights in the capital. Yeah, you can't um, just sort of in Edinburgh. You can there's you know there's cupboards that are venues and there's people just walk in and watch a show. But you can't really do that in London. I don't think. I think it has to be a proper show you have to feel like you're getting a proper show and mm. a proper venue and a, and a proper staff and a, and a bar and everything and mm. as long as they're as long as they're organized in a, in a way as if you were paying for it then i think they can work definitely mm. yeah totally and uh, just to go back slightly because you just reminded yeah, yeah. me of something Sorry. Uh, no no it's fine uh, it's my fault i should have uh, <laughs> I, the problem is i never put questions in order i just sort of go with the oh, conversation okay. but you've just reminded me of something i haven't asked okay um so yeah because you were saying that like um louise's show yeah like just basically she sold herself basically yeah and it was good enough for that and i mean when you're promoting a show because obviously catface does a lot of touring and and, and is involved in that do you think a show do you, do you deal with PR do you just pu- push it out like that way or do you do you think a good show can sell itself on it's, its own merit or do you think Edinburgh is just so different that it doesn't yeah I think Edinburgh is a very different ball game to 
to year-round shows and everything. But mm. I do genuinely believe that a good show will sell itself. Like I said, funds and games. Just I'm not even sure if they had PR, but just everybody was talking about it. Everyone mm. was talking about it. And it made but, but me want to see it. Was that because people had gone to see it and they yeah. loved it or because you had helped that happen? Or no, was no, it no like, it wasn't, one, it wasn't oh. mine. It wasn't a cafe show. Oh, okay, it was, um, yeah, I don't know who... Honestly, I think it might have been. I would think it might have been PBJ. I'm not sure. Okay. Well, they took it on afterwards. I'm not sure, but I just remember when I was in Edinburgh because it was in the, it was in a just tonic venue. So mm. I said to Daryl, "What's what's good?" And he said, "You have to see Funs and Games. Like you have to." And then uh, I didn't have a chance to see it for like a week or so. But everyone I spoke to was like, "Have you seen Funs and Games? Have you seen it? It's amazing! It's amazing! It's amazing!" And everybody was talking about it. And mm. I was like, "Okay, fine, I'll go and see it." And it was mm. great. And then I told people it was great. So you know, everybody was telling everyone else, and that's what happened mm. with. What would Beyonce do, Louisa, kind mm. of two years ago? And um, I do think it's just, it, a, if you've got a good show and a good material, it will sell itself. Obviously, PR is useful for, mm. for shows because of the, you know, the, the features and everything. PR is a massive part of Edinburgh. But if, ultimately, if you've got a good show, good material, and people talk about it, people, more people will come and see it, mm. without a doubt. Yeah, totally, totally. And out of interest, have you ever tried stand-up? Never. Never, ever, ever. Okay. <laughs> you, said, you said that the same way most people have said this when I've asked them that. Really? As if to go, I'm never doing that. Never. I no. mean, I, I admire all of you. I don't know how you do it. I think it's the most terrifying thing in the world. I I mean, doing this bloody podcast filled me with anxiety. I can't, I can't even You've imagine really doing well. it on stage. Yeah. But it's that, you know, just because I, I love comedy, you know, I used yeah. to, I got into this because I love comedy and I love watching it. I never want to do it. It's like if I, if I wanted to... My lifelong ambition was to be a butcher. I wouldn't spend a day as a pig, you know? <laughs> I don't need to. I yeah. just want to be a butcher. <laughs> it's, it's like the thing with magic, because for me, I love watching magic. Oh, but me I, too. I never want to like know how the tricks are done. Like, oh, I, I know. I, want, I like knowing. No, no, no. I just... I don't want to... Because it's the only time I like being lied to. So I don't want to... Yeah. I don't want to have the, the lie be revealed. Do you know what I mean? Because it would feel like then, the, you know, like if, some, if someone lies to you and then they tell you the lie, what it was, yeah. and then that relationship becomes a bit different because you're like, <laughs> yeah. I kind of want to now know all the truths that you have. Yeah, that well, so lied you hide yeah. from me. Yeah. I, I'm a massive, massive magic fan. Yeah. I love magic, but I actually quite enjoy finding out the secrets. Really? Yeah. Oh. Not all of them, just yeah. I feel like I'm involved in it. <laughs> I, I, think, I, think it's, I think it's kind of like, um, it's, why, uh, it's, it's kind of the reverse for me with stand-up. So like, it's why I listen to the Comcom pod, you know, Stuart yeah, Goldsmith, yeah. because I love knowing how like stuff's written in comedy and how like, yeah, it's constructed yeah. and stuff but hopefully because it'll help me but like when it comes to magic I'm like no just keep it keep oh that. I love it really yeah I could watch magic all day who's your favourite magician well we represent Pete Heat so obviously Pete Heat is my Pete number Heat's one up there right Pete Heat's incredible if you've but, ever watched him um, you should totally go and see him okay he's amazing um, but Piff the Magic Dragon makes me oh I love Piff makes me die with laughter he's yeah. great Chris Cox is incredible he's there he's more sort of mentalism oh, okay and uh, kind of mind reading and stuff but he he puts it in a comedy show and it's, oh, wow. it's the narrative is great and he's one of yeah. my favourite people and yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's an absolute joy to watch he's, he's amazing but that's pretty cool yeah Alan Hudson also is a great magician I love watching him okay. he did right. a show at Just Tonic a couple of years ago all um, the best people at Justin Tonic. Everyone is just, it's great. It's a great venue. Uh, yeah. Um yeah, I love I love which I met Dynamo once and I've never fangirled more He's, than yeah. when I met him. And also I've been on stage tw- three times now with Darren Brown. Really? I so, love Darren. Oh my you, god. You it's amazing. Him as a magician though, because well, I don't I just think he's a bloody wizard, isn't he? Yeah. He's a wizard. Yeah. But he keeps picking me out. Every time I've seen him 
He's played in the league over here. Oh, I see her. I know her. Yes, she is. Although he's, Super he's fun. gay, so. I know. Uh, but I do love him. I think he's he does great. Keep, he picked on me when I came up as Is well, he? and I was like, okay. It just blows my mind. I love something that I, that it just blows my mind. And That's what I love with comedy. If I, I love going to see people, I couldn't write what they do. Yeah. Not that I could write loads of people's material. Yeah, yeah. But you know when you see someone and you think, I have no idea how you even got to that. Yeah. But it's funny. Yeah. So that's that's my kind of favourite type of comedian is where like I know either the, either like the structure of it's so good or like or it's yeah. so out there or it's or it's just something mental. Yeah. Like a friend of mine did a joke about how he was um oh who was it he did, he did a joke about how he's growing a grape. Like he's just growing a grape because he's, he's you know <laughs> he's just got a light on his grape and it's just growing. <laughs> and I was like that's mental. How how have you? I it love was, it. One yeah. of my favourite things actually. Um, is is when a comedian takes a joke way too far. Like, yeah. not as in... Um, I know what you mean. Yeah. I mean, they drag it out. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> Jen Brister, uh, who we represent, so I am being biased, but she has mm. one of my favourite pieces of material in the world. And it's mm. this joke about ham. She's buying ham from a guy who doesn't speak her language. And it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. And basically, she just does this noise and this action for about two and a half minutes. And I remember she did it at the Soho Theatre once. And she said, I, I was the only person, like, cackling at the back. And I, I found it so funny. And yeah. I just think, how have you, how have you done that? Yeah. You've got that. You've written that joke. And then you've just extended it, like, yeah. massively. And it makes me laugh every time. Yeah. But I just, like I said, I admire you guys. And I admire mm. comedians. What you do is amazing. And it's, it's a massive, like, talent. Mm. And it's just incredible to watch, and I would never ever want to d- put myself through that. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I, the, the thing is, the problem I've got is I've got quite a distinct laugh when I really like get into a oh, belly yeah, laugh. So, so as a result, I hate laughing on my own <laughs> in a room because they look at you as if to go, right? Uh, yeah. That was weird. <laughs> I'll be the one snorting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, my my laugh is kind of like Jimmy Carr's life on helium. Oh it's my really gosh. high pitched and sort of like you know, sort of uh, <laughs> staccato uh, in and out thing. I'm like, oh god, I hate, especially at open mics when like someone does something really good, yeah. and you're like one of six people in a room, and they're like, oh, I can see you, <laughs> this and guy. Then, but what's worse is then someone else goes on and you don't laugh, and they literally look at you as if to go, but you found that one funny. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but that was like, it's, I, I've um, back to what I was saying about Chortle and how he never came to review me. Yeah. Julia Chamberlain came to review me, and I, I did the Laughing Horse final, and uh, she came to see me, and I did this joke just because I know you like extended jokes, and it's it. it's. The first time I did it, I just did it verbatim as I thought it would work. Yeah. And it's a really long joke, like self-referencing, and it's just this ridiculous yeah. thing. And she reviewed me as um, uh, a thin, white, blah, comedian who does the Stuart Lee thing of uh, dragging out yeah. a joke. And I was like, can I make that review? You know, like, everyone takes, like, a quote out of context. Yeah. Like, make that. I was like, can I call myself a thin Stuart Lee? <laughs> Can I do that? You could totally that, manipulate that. I'm that, thinking you? there's definitely like Finn dot 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 Stuart Lee. Like <laughs> just why not? It'd be definitely wicked. But it's uh, I don't know. I, but that's the thing. Like that's that's the thing that really annoys me. Is like if if a comedian's better or, or better known than you, and you do a similar style to them, you're, you're always automatically gonna, compared. Yeah. And I hate that because it's like why can't you know you don't you don't they don't do a sketch I've noticed that like very no. rarely do they do they say oh it was a bit like glitch because they had puppets or whatever yeah. and you're like. No, they, they <laughs> it's just completely did different. Yeah, I don't. Do you, that's not fair, is it? I mean, I guess. I guess there'll <laughs> always be comparisons, right? Yeah. Now, if there is in, you know, there is in everything. I, I mm. think, um, especially if you look like someone or you've got a similar joke or a similar style, then mm. you're always going to draw that comparison mm. because you're in the same industry and you're in, you're doing the same gigs, you're doing the same mm. circuit, and you know, you're doing the same festival. So mm. you're always going to get that, unfortunately. Unless he dies, and then and they raise all. And of then his you'll be like the thin late Stuart Lee, <laughs> you? You're the, the thin Stuart Lee tribute act. <laughs> yeah. 
That's going on a poster. <laughs> I think you look a bit more like Mark Watson. Really? Yeah. I saw him on the train today, and I was Did gonna, you? yeah, I was on the train here, and I saw him, and we made eye contact, and I was like, should I say hi? He thinks you're related, probably. So Maybe he, he must have thought that's my younger brother. <laughs> or like, but I saw him, and like, I, I didn't want to disturb him because he was like, looked like he was really busy. Yeah. And so I thought, I won't say hi now. I'll get him on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Like a weird a message. Well, I, bumped tweet. It, I bumped into Nick Helm on the train the other day, and we've we've sort of done odd bits to yeah. like random gigs, or he's like done a headline thing, and I've jumped off and yeah. stuff like that. And so I said, "Oh hi," and he didn't remember me for many of the times that Aww. we. Well, no, but like to be fair, Helm. why would they? Why? <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, he might be coming on soon. So it's like I thought, I, oh, maybe I get Watson on. I love well, him. He's so good. I love. It. I've championed Helm from the moment I saw him in a, like a crappy little pub in Camden yeah. to about seven people yeah. and he shouted so hard in my face I love that. and it was the funniest thing I've ever seen and I, lo- I just love him I think he's a genius I, the, the thing is when I first saw him do the shouty thing I was a combination of scared and turned on. <laughs> I was like, it's so hot and I don't know why. I mean, a lot, like, a lot of my girlfriends who I've taken to see Helm are like, I think I fancy him. And yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. it's okay, that's fine. I fancied him. You're allowed to like, fancy Helm. But the thing is, I fancy, like, yeah, I'm straight, but I fancy really weird looking men because I think they're just, I just think it's better. Like <laughs> More interesting, if anything. It's, it's like I always, everyone says, oh, Louis C.K. I, I, yeah. I, I think he's so hot, right? Do you? Uh, yeah, and everyone's like, no, you yeah. just think he's, you just think, and I went, no, he's been hot for years. <laughs> he's just even his early stuff he's like he's got this like look to him and it's like <laughs> I, I like people who are just people do you know what yeah. I mean like people that don't try they're just who just they are naturally so like, like he just comes out in like a t-shirt and whatever and I'm just like oh you're, you're just a person Probably you're hot for Louis C.K. Yeah, this is I'm great hot for, I'm great so news hot for Louis. well aren't you he's so oh no okay <laughs> not particularly I'd pick Helm over Louis C.K. Well, we, then we're not going to have an argument. <laughs> if we're ever in the Soho Theatre and Louis C.K. and Helm are there, I'll be like, well, I'm going left, you go right, let's circle back and we'll see what happens. That'll be fun. Right, well, now I've got my wingman. There we go. It's weird Try and help me pull Louis C.K. Oh, I hope you pull Nick Helm. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, we're friends. You're, you're, we're friends. Yeah, and I love his girlfriend. I was going to say, and you said you've got someone. At the moment. I actually, my, people say oh. my boyfriend doesn't look a lot like Nick Helm. So <laughs> have you like picked Maybe I've got, like got a secret crush on Helm. person <laughs> to Nick Helm and gone, do you call him Nick? Is that like, is that like, we got Miss. Actually, funnily enough, I took my boyfriend to see Helm's show. Oh, wow. Okay. Helm did a Christmas show at the Soho Theatre yeah. last year. And I took my boyfriend. And then afterwards, it was at the Soho Theatre in the bar. Mm. There was a woman who was convinced he was Helm. And he was like, I'm really not Nick Helm, please. And she was like, Why are you lying? She was so drunk. And she was she was desperate for a photo. She kept dragging him around the bar, going, Look, it's Nick Helm. Look, it's oh, Nick Helm. Really? That's it's the funniest amazing. thing I've seen. But I, I literally an hour ago, you'll see this on Facebook later. Uh, like as I was arriving, because I saw Mark Watson, and I thought oh, I, yeah, I would yeah. love to go up to him and say, "Oh, are you Mark Watson," as you do on trains when you yeah. meet someone like that. <laughs> and so I wrote on Facebook something like, "Oh, fun game. Walk up to any uh, out of shape celebrity and ask them if they're Stuart Lee. <laughs> <laughs> just take the offline thing, you know, the, the internet thing, and just start asking just them. Do it. Yeah, why not? Because I thought that just be, uh, but I bet you any money, everyone's just commenting on that, going, "This is how horrible. This is really rude. Uh, why so would you mean, walk up Stuart to Lee. Yeah, yeah. Just go up to Eamon Holmes. Are you Stuart Lee? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that'd be amazing. Um, let's start a meme. Um, okay, last question. Okay. Okay. Are are there any books or DVDs that you would recommend are like definitely things that people should look up? Maybe not to like learn from, but just stuff that you've seen or read that you think are just amazing by comedians or by joke theorists or. Um, I've not really read many comedy books to be honest. Okay. Uh, again, because I love it live, so I just go and see it instead. And also, yeah. I read trashy things like biographies of people from Towie so I'm quite disgusting oh, <laughs> I wish you'd tell me that before this I'm horrific <laughs> this I'm a sucker right. for stuff like that right. um, but 
obviously, Louise Romilly's DVD, which she recorded at the Bloomsbury Theatre last night, that you should that's, all watch. That's going to have a link, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't think there's anything. In particular, I mean, I love all the classics. Obviously, when I growing up, um, my dad introduced me to things like Monty Python, Faulty Towers, um, Are You Being Served, Only Fools and Horses. I watched mm. all of those things, and I think they're still so important, mm. and they they still have so much influence on what people are doing today. When I was younger, I'm pretty sure I saw Jim Davidson when I was younger um, at some at some pier somewhere. And, uh, um, and where he hangs out. yeah, weird. <laughs> <laughs> and people like you know, I was introduced to comedy for, from people like um, Cannon and Ball, Duncan Norvell, Joe Pasquale, and you know things like that. So I love the old school stuff, and I think if you start there, mm. you'll find something that you that you can get into. You know, that's kind of current and more modern. You mm. can everybody takes their influence from people like that. And from the old school stuff, because com- comedy's been around for so many years, it, it's, it's still kind of translating through. Mm. And I think start with the oldies and then work your way up to 2015, maybe. Yeah, that's a good tip. <laughs> and, and if you had one bit of advice for an unrepresented, or maybe a represented comedian looking for a new agent, and an unrepresented comedian looking for their first agent, what would you say? Just... Um, well, obviously approach them, but do it in a way <laughs> where... Just stare at them from just, across the room. Oh, hey, guys. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But the most important thing, I think, is research that person and who don't just... I, you would be you'd be shocked at the amount of emails I get from people asking for representation who are jazz singers or I've had one recently yeah. from a caricaturist and things like this. And I think you haven't even bothered to look at what we do and mm. look at who we are and who we represent and what we're trying to sort of achieve and I think that's the most important thing that nothing frustrates me more than a kind of general mail out going oh, oh hi I'm looking for representation anyone and I think no you sh- you know research that person and, and find an agency that you actually want to be with and don't just kind of throw shit at the wall and hope something sticks like mm. actually find out who you want to be represented by and why and what do you like about them and, and what are they doing that you want to be doing and, and things and and really pick and choose who you're going to approach and then, and then go with it that way. Don't mm. just kind of pour yourself out to everyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, don't use MailChimp in that Yeah, sense. don't use MailChimp <laughs> in that sense. I yeah. mean, I'm allowed to use MailChimp. <laughs> um, you ruin MailChimp's Yeah, but I, you know, the, I like getting an email that says, I've looked at your roster and I really like what so-and-so's doing or I really like what you did in Edinburgh last year or I really like the way you do this and, mm. and I really like what you stand for or whatever. And a personal kind of email rather than just... I'm a comedian. I'm looking for representation. Representation. Do you want to see my show? Like, y- you should know who you're speaking to. The same way, if I if I want to approach someone about representation, if I've heard about them or if I've seen them, and then I'll do loads of research. I will Google that person, and I'll mm. I'll find out loads about them, and 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 then I'll go and have a conversation with them. So I know what I know who I'm talking to, and I know mm. what they've done, and I think it should be the same the other way around as well. Mm. So and like you'll fangirl them, so they should oh, totally. fangirl you in a way. Oh no, don't fangirl me, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> but you just know, you know, like not even me, just the agency. Just look at Catface and look at what who we represent and what we're trying to do and and you know, then come and come with knowledge and come with come with reasons why you want to be part of that and, and just don't just send a blanket email to everyone because those are the ones that will get ignored, you know. Those are the ones that will just go, oh, you, you don't even care who you're sending this to. And that's that's not a good sign, mm. I think. So mm. just do your research. Just look, look us up on Twitter or something. And send them an emoji. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, load it with emojis. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. No worries. That was Charlotte. She is so cool. I really had fun talking to her. As you can probably tell, there was a lot of bat. I don't want to say banter, that's a fucking horrible word. 
but uh, there was a lot of backing and forthing, and um, we're on the same page on a lot of stuff. So um, I'm very happy to say that she's uh, volunteered to take part in one of the live Q&A pods in Edinburgh. Uh, to find out more information about those, please go to the Ask the Industry podcast group, and uh, there are events in there. I think the one, she, yeah, the one she's on is on the 30th of August, along with Alex from Gag Reflex and a couple of other agents. It's, it's just going to be a nice. It's going to be a Q&A with uh, four agents who are all coming down to answer any questions you have about the industry, about agents, about contacting them, about getting noticed, any of that stuff. So if you're interested in taking part in that, it's uh, all the information is on the uh, podcast group. Um, yeah, I've, I think it was a really good interview. I really enjoyed that, and I'm, I'm really excited to do more agents um, as the year progresses on. Um, as I said... If you would like to donate, there's a PayPal button on the website. If you thought this podcast is worth anything, please do chuck me a couple of quid. That'd be great. Um, if you want to do it as a regular donation, please do it as a regular donation. You can do it at patreon.com forward slash Ask the Industry Podcast. The links are on the website, in the show notes, in the pod notes. You name it, they're, they're everywhere. Um, so if you could donate from $1, you don't even have to give that much. If you want to give $1, $2, whatever you feel each episode of these are worth, that'd be great and it really helps me get a budget for the show um please join the facebook group and if you are in edinburgh please do come see my show it's called buddhism and cats it's on at 7 30 p.m every single day except the 18th and it is at justatonic caves please don't go to calgate head if you're looking for my show because it's not there um the yeah like i said the printed brochure is incorrect for a number of reasons but my um show is still happening and uh yeah so please do come uh, I'd love to see you there and say hi if you are coming. I would love to meet more people from the podcast. It would really mean a lot to meet people who are actually interested in it and talk more about what you want to hear more from this podcast and, and how the show direction can help your career as well as your just everything, right? I would love to meet more people who are listening because, like I said, the download number keeps going up and I have no clue who these people are. Um, and it's, uh, I mean, I'm, I keep meeting people on the London circuit and I've met a couple of people who came down from Cambridge and I, I met them and it's great i just i just want to meet more of you so um if you are around in edinburgh um i'm there the entire month so yeah please do come say hi uh thank you very much for listening oh and do continue to share the links that's the other thing um if you like this and you think someone else would enjoy it please share the link with someone else that you think will enjoy it it really helps out the show it really helps out with the downloads um thank you very much for sharing thank you very much for listening thank you very much for all the support i'll see you next time Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.